Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself, I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out, and then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. Are you comfortable? You're comfortable? No, we can't because it doesn't fit. We're fine. I can't go back because the... Oh, you go forward then. So you're com- you have to be comfortable. Are you comfortable? I am. I am. Okay. I'm Tali Farhadian-Weinstein, and this is Hearing. I'm a candidate for District Attorney of Manhattan, and recently I sat down with two people I've known for a very long time for a conversation about how I got here. Hi, Gladwell. You're squinting. Hello. Hi there. How are you guys doing? Good. We are well. We are getting Farah situated for her first podcast. Nice. Uh, whereas I'm an expert now, you know. <laughs> the name Gladwell probably rings a bell. Malcolm and I have been friends for decades now. And Farah... That's my mother. Malcolm, I just want to tell you that uh, she started speaking words when she was eight months old. And oh, Malcolm, I'm sorry. And <laughs> okay. it was amazing to see how she could recall. So I it's just not, can't. Don't have, it's not like a miracle that she learned English so fast here, right? No, no, no. This... <laughs> Um, this has taken an unexpected turn. Oh, yeah, totally unexpected. (laughs) You've never met a Jewish mother before. When I said I wanted to talk to my mother and Malcolm about how I got here, I meant that literally. My campaign for DA is about making our most vulnerable communities feel safe because my family has firsthand experience of what it feels like to live with fear. It's a story I didn't use to tell much. It begins on Christmas Eve, 1979, when I was four years old. That's the night I arrived with my mother and my brother at JFK Airport. We were fleeing the chaos and persecution of Jews in our home country of Iran. You had a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and you're on the, one of the last planes out of Iran? Yes, as, yes. As Iran is erupting in craziness, and it must have been terrifying. I came with the two little kids, and 
her favorite mushi. I don't know if you know about mushi. Mushi is like a, a stuffed uh, mm-hmm. a, a mouse doll and her teddy bear with her in my ha- one hand and one hand um, my son. And we came through and it was Christmas Eve and our visas were not proper visas apparently. But we were very lucky because the officer in charge understood that I'm a woman with two little kids and he gave us the opportunity to enter and then try to figure out what is going to happen next. So there you are in line, presumably at JFK airport. You go to immigration and he says, your visas aren't right. He kind of said it and not said it, but I know that we waited and waited and waited and now there is no one in the airport except me and the two kids. Finally, the officer said, uh, I'm going to give you an entry visa, but you have to come back within two days to uh, mm-hmm. to be deported. And that decision to let you in and sort it out later was, I mean, it's, it's really Christmas Eve. It's like a Christmas gift. Exactly. It is. And it, it, it probably was uh, the fate of us to be coming that time. I'm not so sure if this would have happened to us if we would not have such a understanding and compassionate person sitting mm-hmm. at that booth, and if it was not that night. So your first contact in coming to America as a family is with a, a representative of American authority who acts with compassion. Yes, as, as everyone should. Yeah. So a couple days later, you show, you go back to the immigration authority. What happened yeah. then? My mom called a rabbi she knew, and he directed her to the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society and gave us the address uh, in downtown Manhattan. And we walked in there yeah, and on we immediately the day after contact, Christmas. I contacted them. And they took us on and they represented us for free for 10 years. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, there's always there's always a rabbi. There's, there's always a rabbi. A... Wait, so so you come in. Tell me about those first few months in America. You're you're in Queens. So I don't even think Tally knows this story, so I'm going to tell you the story. So right in Rico Park, Queens, there was a city bank. So, you know, I have a graduate degree in biostatistics from Tehran University, but my uh, undergrad degree is in mathematics. So I told myself, you know what, I could probably work in a bank, but when you work in a bank, you have to become a teller. So I went to the bank at the corner of um, Queens Boulevard, and 69th Street, I told them uh, I want a job here. And they laughed at me and said, in America, when you want a job, you can't just go to a bank branch and say, I want a job. You have to go to the central office of Citibank in the city, in Manhattan, in the New York City. So I went to the central Citibank and I said, I am looking for a job. Are you hiring? And they said, yes, we are hiring. But I said, look, I will only work if you give me a job in that branch. I don't want to work in any other branch. And the reason is I have two little kids and I have to take them to school and bring them back. And they did give me a job in that bank. Wait, I love this. It's like a, the, the list of, of benign institutions, more than benign, the list of generous institutions grows longer. We, st- we start with the, uh, with the immigration service and now we have Citibank, which says <laughs> not, only, not only will we hire you, but yes, you can work on the corner of Queens Boulevard. <laughs> and, and, I'm telling you, there has to be a measure of faith in these things. You know, like how I was really lucky. I was really lucky, but I also think that because we were brought up to always 
look ahead and be uh, proud of what we want to accomplish. So I knew that if I this is my goal, that day my goal was to get this job. So I got the job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wait, so then you teach in New Jersey. Where do you teach in New Jersey? I first taught at Immaculate Heart Academy, a Catholic school for a year and a half. And when I got my uh, certificate to be able to teach in a public school, then I went into Park Ridge High School and then Fairlawn High School, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And taught there for? I taught in Fairlawn for 25 years and I retired and picked up another job in the city now. You couldn't stay retired, apparently. No, no. I, <laughs> I, I like interacting with with kids. And I mean, the guy who let you in on Christmas Eve, he, he does this act of discretion. He looks the other way and lets you in. And what happens? He gets a math teacher who does 25 years at Fairlawn. He gets Tali. It's a pretty good deal. Pretty yeah, good. That it's guy a did pretty it. good deal. He, he got a pretty good deal. Wait, so Tali, you wrote about in the New York Times, this story about your family's arrival in America, which I've known you for ever, mm. had never heard the story. Um, when did you first hear that story? I always knew that story, although I'm not even sure I really believed it was Christmas Eve, um, but I always knew it. I just, I didn't tell it to you or to anybody really until I wrote about it. Why not? Uh, because when no. you come, you start a new life, right? And you try to integrate into the society at which you live. You look forward. You, there's no need to look backwards, right? You just always look to reach better heights and do better and become a good citizen yourself and do the best you can for your communities. Mm -hmm. What what would people gain by don't knowing my uh, my telling that story? I think they would gain more if I would engage in other conversations with them. Don't you feel like we need to hear that story? I think now? at the present time, we do need to hear these stories. Yes, and, and, and you yeah. know, Malcolm, you just heard from my mom, reasons not to tell it. And I obviously what she just told you is some of what I heard in the house growing up, you know, look forward. And I wasn't exactly instructed not to tell that story, but I had the sense that maybe there was even something shameful about that story because we were using, a, you know, a fake visa to try to get into the country. And also really wasn't a story that we could have told until we became citizens. And I wasn't, um, I was 19 years old when I became a U.S. citizen, finally. So by then I had been probably fully conditioned not to tell the story. There was a part of me that didn't even really believe it. And I needed hard proof. Uh, I needed the law degree and then to sit with the immigration file and actually, you know, line up the story with what was on the page. You know, I'm just like not not conditioned to embrace uh, mm -hmm. mythology in this way. And I can I could tell you that everything that Farah has said today it is true. And then I I had to tell the story, so it took me 40 years in a way to write it, And but I had to do it, and I think about this, my mother really agrees that um, after Trump was elected and the way he started to talk about immigrants, and then the family separation started, and it was just really unbearable, and the piece was a, a reaction to that. You know, it really felt like we had to say, well, well, look at us. We are here. The way you're talking about mm -hmm. um, people who are 20 years behind us, 40 years behind us, invulnerability is offensive to us. Um, and, and to identify 
ourselves with mm-hmm. them. So is this your family's origin story? The origin story? What he means by this? Oh God, I'm not. I'm not totally sure what he means, but it is. It is a. It's the. It's the story that defined. You know, all families have myths that we tell. Stories yeah. we tell each other that encapsulate something essential into what yes. our family believes in and stands for, and how it ended up the way it is. I'm curious about how the, your family's experience shaped the way you look at public institutions. You look at. You know, you mm. chose a path as a lawyer, but not a corporate lawyer, a lawyer in the public sector. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you've, where you've devoted your time and attention. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there's something that pushed you in that direction because of your family's experience? Look, maybe, maybe for all of us, Malcolm, um, we want to turn our experience as outsiders into insiders. So like sometimes my students ask me, like, should I be, should I be the man? Should I try to be a part of the government or should I agitate um, from the outside for the changes that I want to see. And for me, that was never a hard choice because I think I wanted to have the power and the authority that was so distant and almost you know, incomprehensible to me for so many years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In your New York Times piece, you talk about this idea of discretion mm-hmm. and how that's also at the core of your philosophy so I guess, you know, for me, the the most challenging and interesting thing about being a prosecutor and probably what got me hooked on onto this work in the first place was you you have the power not to bring the case at all. Right. So it's not just about whether you're going to challenge the case if you're the defense attorney or, uh, you know, or or resist in some other way, but you just have the power just not to set something into motion. What's beautiful and important in this is this notion that the law is not, can never be impersonal, right? That it's right. It's, it's, it's something in, enforced and enacted by someone who has more than a rule book. Mm-hmm. They also have a heart. Mm-hmm. It's so rare that I find someone who's running for a position in the law, mm. in public law enforcement, who wants to talk about their heart. Yes, thank you. Um, I do think it's about bringing a kind of lived experience and just being honest about what we do, because even the ones who tell you they're going to be equally strict in every single case aren't. Mm-hmm. They're making mm-hmm. choices, too. Mm-hmm. Farah, how would you describe yourself? Do you describe yourself as an American, as an American Iranian, as a Jewish American, if I had to ask you to give me a... I, I don't know. I sometimes joke with my students. My kids don't know about this. I joke with them and I uh, say, all I want written on my gravestone is that she was a kind person. I, I can't describe myself as American or Iranian. I am who I am. You know, I'm, I'm, I want to be seen as a caring person. Tali? Mm. I usually revert to immigrant because to me it's, it's true and it, and it captures my, my origin story um, and the way that I see the world. I, you know, I came to this country, Farima Farhadian, and now I walk around as Tali Weinstein and it's really different. You know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a really different but, way of being in the world. Yeah, but you live in a country that allows you to be both. 
Yes. Yes. Very but maybe the more Tali Weinstein I become, the more important it is for me to say, you know, I'm an immigrant. Um, and whereas I didn't, I didn't need to make that ex explicit before. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. That was really lovely. I believe that we can build a justice system that better serves vulnerable families like mine once was. My family is fortunate to be in the position we are today, but New York is still a tough place for thousands and thousands of non-citizens in our city. In my next episode, I'll talk to the New Yorker's Jayan Fan about how she tells their stories in her writing. They don't know who they can turn to and who they can um, trust. And that includes, you know, the police and that includes uh, me, <laughs> um, a reporter whose motives are, I think, probably a little bit unclear to them. And the role her own mother plays in keeping her honest. I happen to be the daughter of someone who is a Chinese immigrant and has lived her entire life in the U.S. with the sense of lurking danger. Hearing is produced in partnership with Pushkin Industries. Our producers are Sam Dingman and Camille Baptista. Special thanks to Malcolm Gladwell and Jacob Weisberg. This podcast is paid for by New Yorkers Fratali, and Malcolm's appearance on this show does not constitute a political endorsement. I am running to be District Attorney of Manhattan and to set a national example in delivering safety, fairness, and justice for all, especially our most vulnerable. If you like what you've heard, go to tally4da.com to learn more about my campaign. I'm Tali Farhadian-Weinstein. Join me next time on Hearing. Mom, you're a natural at this. Was I good? You are amazing, actually. No, really. You were way better than me. I tried to connect so many things together. You were amazing. Okay. I think you might have missed your career in politics. I missed my career. I'm kind of serious. <laughs> Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself, I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out, and then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter.